In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, we are beginning a new series entitled The Goat, which means the greatest of all time. Over the next several weeks, we will learn about what makes Jesus the greatest of all time. Today we'll be led by Dr. Justin Hillhouse as he showcases Jesus' character through the feeding of the 5,000. Now let's hear from Dr. Justin Hillhouse. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good, good. If you have your Bible, your copy of God's Word, please open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to look uh, at verses 14 through 21. As you saw, uh, John Mark is walking around here uh, this morning, but uh, he asked me to kind of get things kicked off as we start a new series. And we're starting a new series uh, today called The Goat, which simply means the greatest of all time. And so who are we going to talk about over the next several weeks? There you go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to be talking about Him over the next uh, several weeks, and we're going to be discussing not only who Jesus is, but also what He has done, what He came here to do, some of the things that He taught. And, and we're just going to kind of look at Jesus' life in its totality, and then we're going to take some of those, uh, sorry, and then we're going to take some of those uh, some of those things that he did, some of those things that he taught, some of those things that he said, and we're going to try and apply them to our lives. Now, kind of as we get started today, I just want to let you know that uh, I want to, as usual, I never want to steal any of Pastor's thunder. And so what I hope to do today is just simply kind of compliment the direction that we are going to go in general. And so today I only have two points, and all God's men said... That's right, we're going to get out early, all right? But we have two points, and one thought uh, has to do with Jesus' relationship with us. The second thought is our relationship with Jesus and how He wants us to approach Him. Now, we just got done with Thanksgiving, right? And for some of you here, and I don't know who, but I was uh, in church on Sunday morning, and I was talking to a guy, and I noticed this about a lot of guys, uh, not a lot, but some, is uh, they will go camping over Thanksgiving. Is there anybody that's a camper over Thanksgiving in here? Okay, you are, so you enjoy camping over Thanksgiving. Real quick, why do you like camping over Thanksgiving? So you're a glamper. You're a glamper, huh? It's in an RV. Well, you know what? To be honest, though, it really doesn't matter because you, you get in that RV, you can't cook a big Thanksgiving dinner in an RV. You got to do that outside, right? And then when you eat, when you eat your Thanksgiving dinner, are you eating inside the RV or outside? Inside? <laughs> and this is camping. Why don't you just stay home? I was talking to a real man on Sunday morning, and I was asking him about what he did for Thanksgiving. He said, man, I like, uh, me and my family, we always camp. That's been their tradition. They will go, they, he will take his RV out or his tents, and they'll go out there, and they'll camp, and they'll cook, you know, the camp, uh, the, the, their dinner there over the campfire, and do all that stuff, and have uh, uh, all that fun. And uh, for guys, for us just as men, for some reason, I don't know about you, but I like to eat outside. 
you know, uh, especially when it's nice. This time of the year is gorgeous. You go outside, you know, and you go into that restaurant, you want patio or inside. And I'm always like, I want to eat out on the patio. It's just that little cool breeze. And then they have that nice little stove right there that's hovering over you that you know is going to explode at any moment. But <clears throat> it keeps you warm and you are just, uh, you're enjoying yourself just outside. And one of my favorite meals to eat when I'm out on a picnic is cold fried chicken and potato salad. Is anybody with you with me on that? That is some of the best uh, meals you can have outside uh, if you're out on the lake or, or, or you're out hunting or fishing or whatever it is. Man, just popping open that cooler and having some fried chicken and some potato salad. And that's uh, that that is a lot of fun. Kathleen. Uh, Partridge said uh, these words, maybe the kettle takes a little longer to boil and the ground isn't as soft as a chair. Maybe the butter runs soft in the sun and the cake seems to wilt in the air. Maybe a wasp drowns himself in the jam and a leaf floats on top of the tea. And maybe you get a bit of a cramped cramp in your foot when you balance the plate on your knee. But you eat from a table the whole long year round, politely from January to December, while a meal in the open air loosens your laugh and is always a joy to remember. If you remember the famous uh, bear, Yogi Bear, uh, as well as his companion, Boo Boo, uh, what were they always after? They were always after the picnic basket, right? It wasn't a picnic basket, it was a picnic basket. And so <clears throat> they were always after those campers. We're going to look at a story here. It's a very famous story about Jesus basically having a picnic with 5,000 people. Now there are two stories in which Jesus feeds a bunch of people. There's one story where Jesus feeds 4,000 people, okay? But today we're going to talk about the more famous story, Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. It gets a lot more play, and I think the reason why it gets more play is because we see this story in all four Gospels. We see this story covered in each Gospel. And so, to set the stage of, of, of this picnic happening, Jesus has just found out uh, that John the Baptist, his blood relative, okay, John the Baptist has just been executed by Herod. And so what Jesus does is he withdraws from the crowd, he gets in a boat, and he kind of has some alone time, and he sails across the Sea of Galilee. And as he lands, he encounters another crowd of people. So Jesus leaves the crowd, tries to be alone, and then as he gets to the shore, there is a crowd gathering as he gets off the boat. And this is where we pick up the story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 through 21. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting, getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. 
And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those that ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Again, there are only two thoughts from this passage. And here's the first thought. The first thought is this, is that Jesus will meet you wherever you are with compassion. Jesus will meet you wherever you are with compassion. When you look there in verse 14, it says this. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, what does it say? He had compassion on them. Jesus got away to be alone after hearing that his, his, his relative John the Baptist had died. Not only died, but was executed. His head was chopped off. So Jesus, being human, he feels that. He feels that. And then as he comes to the shoreline, he sees a multitude of people. And Scripture says that he had compassion on them. Not only did Jesus have compassion on them, but when he got out of the boat and he started walking through the crowd, he began to heal and he began to teach. Many miracles were performed that day, even while Jesus was mourning the loss of John the Baptist. What's fascinating about Jesus is, is when you look in Scripture, Jesus never tells the crowd to go home. Jesus never tells the crowd, hey guys, the party's over, everybody go home. You see in Scripture where, where Jesus slips away. When Jesus is here... Uh, healing the paralytic. What does it say, man? The house is full and everybody's packed in. There's a big crowd around the house. And what does Scripture say? Jesus slips away. When Jesus is there, uh, when he finds out about uh, John the Baptist dying, he's with a big crowd. And what does he do? He simply slips away. Jesus never tells people, hey, listen, big crowds, hey, y'all go home, party is over, but he does just simply slip away. He doesn't say, my time is, is done, I'm tired, leave me alone. But he just quietly slips away. When Jesus looks at us, he has compassion. Matthew chapter 9, 35 and 36, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching uh, in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, what does it say? He had compassion on them. Look at this. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. When Jesus healed the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, it says this, in chapter 5, verse eight, uh, 18 through 20, And Jesus uh, was getting in the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. When Jesus told this guy to go away, he didn't just say, Hey, that's okay. I don't want anybody to go home. What did he say? He said, Go home and tell people how much mercy the Lord your God 
had mercy on you. Tell people. In Psalm chapter 111, verse 4, it says this, He has caused His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. The very definition of compassion is this, a deep feeling or a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken with, by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate suffering. Well, as human beings, are we not stricken with misfortune? It's called sin. We are stricken with misfortune. And the very definition of compassion is the desire to alleviate suffering. What did Jesus come to do? He came to specifically alleviate our suffering. Henry Ward Beecher said this, Compassion will cure more sins than condemnation. Compassion will cure more sins than condemnation. Jesus did not come to judge, but rather He came to bring mercy and compassion and grace, something that each one of us needs. Growing up, my sons, uh, or my son and my daughter learned, and they're still learning this, that uh, I don't have a lot of compassion, okay? Um, I have very much of a I told you so attitude, okay? Are you with me on that? Um, if they fall and get hurt, first of all, and they're not like, there's no like broken bones or they haven't lost like a tooth in their head or anything like that, if they're okay, they know not to come running to me because I don't have that much compassion. They will run around me and go to their mother. Okay, and they still they still do that because they come over and they're like, oh, I hit my arm. I'm like, here, let me see that. And then I'll hit it, you know, because I have no compassion. Uh, But when but if they really, really do get hurt, of course, I I will have compassion on them. But a a lot of times, you know, my son one time was running around with uh, with a paperclip and and he was just putting in, in stuff and. He was going after, yeah, y'all with me on this? He was going after the, uh, the, the light socket, you know, the electrical plug. And I said this, I'll never forget, I said this, I said, don't stick that paper clip in the electrical socket. Well, that's like telling him to go ahead and stick the paper. So what does he do? He goes, and then, you know, ah! and then he starts screaming. And what did I say? I told you so, right? I told you so. I told you don't do that. And he's all crying and he's kind of got the jitteries and he doesn't know what's going on. And I just stand there and I say, I told you so. What does he do? He doesn't run to me. He runs, he runs to mom. Jesus never came to tell us, I told you so. And he has every right to tell us, I told you so. You came, he came, and he has every right to tell us, I told you so. Lord Jesus, my, my, uh, my marriage is, is messed up. And, and I, I think I'd, I probably need to start serving my spouse more. What's Jesus going to say? I told you so. Is He going to say that? Jesus, I'm involved in this sin and it's really screwing up my life. Is Jesus going to say, I told you so? Jesus never came to say, I told you so. 
Rather, he came to say, I love you, I care for you, and I am here to show my compassion to you. That is the whole point of why Jesus came, to show us his compassion. And it is just not compassion, it is compassion perfected. It is compassion perfected. D.L. Moody said this, no matter how low down you are, no matter, how, no matter what your dispensation has been, or disposition has been, you may be low in your thoughts, words, and actions. You may be selfish. Your heart may be overflowing with corruption and wickedness. Yet Jesus will have compassion on you. He will speak comforting words for, to you, not treat you coldly or spurn you as perhaps those of earth would, but will seek tender words and words of love and affection and kindness. Just come at once. He is a faithful friend, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus did not come to point the finger and say, Ha, I told you so. He came with perfect compassion. He came with perfect compassion. And guys, we need that. Guys, we need a little mercy in our lives. And Jesus brought that. And so that is the first thought about who Jesus is. And when you look in Scripture, and when you look in Jesus' life, all throughout it, even in the Old Testament, even all throughout the New Testament, we see over and over and over again that God has compassion on His creation. He loves us, He cares for us, and He has no desire to say, I told you so, but rather simply come to me. And this leads us to our second thought, which is come to Jesus just as you are basically whatever you got just bring it whatever it is you got no matter how little or how much it is whatever you got it is more than enough if you see there in verse 17 it says this we have here only five loaves and two fishes they answered bring them to me he said and he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and broke the loaves. <clears throat> Jesus said, hey, listen, we're going to feed these people. What do we have? And the disciples looked at him and said, man, all we got are five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, that's, that's perfect. That's all I need from you. Is that all you have? Yes, Jesus, that's all I need. It's amazing what Jesus did with five loaves and two fish. I'm amazed at mothers and what they can cook up sometimes. They can take odds and ends, put it together, and they can make a good meal. A mother uh, who did her best cooking over dinner explained the health benefits of a colorful meal to her family. The more colors, the more variety of nutrients, she told her family, pointing to her food. And she asked her children, how many different colors do you see on the plate? Six, replied her daughter, and seven if you count all the burned parts. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, listen, come to me. I will give you compassion and come to me with just simply what you have. The disciples had five loaves and two fish and that was enough. You might say, God has not gifted me 
in certain ways or to do certain things. Hey, listen, that's okay. Just bring whatever it is you have. You may not think it's enough, but it is enough for Jesus. It may not be enough, but it is enough for Jesus. With what little we have, Jesus can do great things. With what little we have. And sometimes we forget that, that we have to feel like we have to bring all this stuff. Jesus never said, you know, I was thinking in the car on the way here. Uh, we don't do invitations in churches a whole lot. But growing up, how many of y'all had the invitation and you would sing the invitation song, everybody would stand. And it was one of two songs and there's that song, you know, Just As I Am. Uh, y'all, know, y'all know that song? Uh, you know, just as I am with that. Y'all with me on that? You don't recognize that song? Uh, there's another song that I was actually singing on the way in, and it goes, Come just as you are. Y'all know that? Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. And then the men would sing, Come and see. Then the lady would sing, Come and see. Christ the King, Christ the King. And then we'd all sing together, Come and live forevermore. Ah, Thank you, I'm here all week. Okay, so I love the beginning of that song. Come just as you are. If it's a complete yard sale in your life, for a skiing reference, okay? If it's a complete wreck, if it is what some people call a hot mess, if your life is a hot mess, bring it. And bring all of it. Just like you are. The disciples said, we have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, no problem. I can work with that. Whatever mess you have, how great or small, whatever qualities you have in your life, no matter how great they are or no matter how small they are, they might even be hardly there. Almost non-existent. Jesus says, bring it to me because it is more than enough. I can use it. And so when we look in Scripture, Jesus is not only compassionate all through Scripture, but also Jesus uses men, no matter how great or small the qualities they have in their life. Jesus uses them. What did Jesus say about faith? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. God can do so much with so very little. Never say God cannot use me. Rather say God can use me for his glory despite how much I know or how little I know. Despite how good I am at something or despite not how good I am at something. God can use us. Luke 16.10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever can be, uh, whoever is dishonest with very little, will also be honest with much. Man, what qualities have God has God entrusted you with? No matter how great or small, and do you use them? No matter how great those qualities are, or no matter how small those qualities are. First Peter four ten and eleven. Each one of you should use whatever gift. He has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it 
as one speaking the words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason I remind you, and I love this, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Jesus just had five loaves and two fish, and that's it. And that is everything the disciples had. And he was able to impact thousands upon thousands of people. The miracle of feeding the 5,000 is a great story. But it gives us just a small glimpse into the perfection of compassion that Jesus had for all of humanity. He never came here to say, I told you so. He came here to say, I love you, I care for you, and I want to do something great in your life. And our response is, man, God, this is all I got. Good, bad, I can do nothing to improve myself. Only God, only you, Jesus, can do something with it. And so as we look into Jesus and his life over these next several weeks and probably a couple months as we go through this series, the overarching theme is that, man, Jesus has compassion on us and he wants us just like we are, just where we're at right here, right now. If you're struggling through your job, you're struggling through your marriage, that's right where Jesus wants you. Just turn it over to Him. Just give it to Him. Here you go, Jesus. It's a mess. Jesus says, no problem. I can work with that. But we got to give it over to Him. And so I want to encourage you. If you're struggling today, if you're looking down the barrel at this holiday season and you are really dreading it, and there are some things going on in your life, things going on in your family. You need to talk about it. You need help handing it over to Jesus, just saying, here you go. God, here's this hot mess that I got. Will you please help me through it? Either myself or Sloan's pastors running around around here, Frazier, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to pray with you about that. We'd love to walk through it with you, and we're going to do it with compassion. We're not going to sit there and tell you, I told you so, but we're going to do it with compassion, with love, and with God's grace. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here, we could open up your word, and that God, that we could see in this great miracle that you did, Father, your love and your care for people. Jesus, you never pushed people away. You always quietly left. If you told somebody to go away, Father, it was to, to tell them to go and to, to tell about your grace and your mercy and your love. But Father, you, you never tell us to go away from you. And so, Father, I, I ask that, that we as men, we would draw closer to you. That, Father, that we would uh, hand over whatever it is we have, good or bad, we would just bring it. We don't have to bring any more. We don't have to bring any less. Just Whatever it is we have, Father, we turn it over to you. God, if there is a man here that is struggling, man, that is going through something tough, God, I ask that, that you would move in his heart, move in his life, 
Father, that you would draw him to you and that he would follow your commands, he would follow your statutes. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, amen Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.